Well, first of all, MotoGP in America, special for us Americans, but it was super special for me and you because we were there in the stands. How did you like your first MotoGP race? I don't see what all the fuss is about, to be honest with you. That's cool. Said also, no next one week, ever, Bo will right not be now. back. <laughs> Said no one ever. No, this was uh, this was a, an event that um, uh, we're I'm already planning the next one, right? It, you know, I, I had a blast, had a just a, an awesome time seeing everything, seeing the riders in person. Uh, you know, we got to see Valentino Rossi's last, you know, American GP. Um, as a full-time sure rider so you know it was just a special weekend all around I think um, I, I, I can't say enough you know and uh, of course you know you 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 kind of treated us to the Jason Cole experience um, that, now do uh, you think that enhanced or took away from the race uh, I think there was a little of both at some points during the weekend dang so. it <laughs> no but I, I personally can't wait for the next one it was it was definitely a good time you know i so t uh tyson our friend that we went with he and i were riding back in the car from the airport and i said how many have i been to because i don't even know and so we started looking at i've been to more than 15 gp races so it's always a great time and i love it but it was really cool for me to see people that had never been there before seeing it for, and hearing it for the first time. You, you can't describe how loud those Motor 3 bikes are. You, you can't describe to someone what it's like to hear the MotoGP bike warming up or going down pit lane on the pit limiter. Blah, 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 you yeah, know what I mean? You I, can't. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I will say this. I accidentally walked out of the suite um, at one point with one earplug in while the Moto2 oh. bikes were circulating. And the Moto2 bike came around and... It every it just it was such an ear piercing just loud. Yeah. Sound. I mean, it, it's a, it's indescribable. It really is. I mean, it, it hurts when they go yeah. by, and you don't have you know you do everything you can to put your your hand up to your ear to get to to stop it. But right. uh, but then at the same time, there's nothing else that I'd rather hear. You know, and the and the sound yeah. of that Triumph engine, you know, screaming down the front straight at Coda was just just phenomenal. It is amazing. I I love it. But you know, let's talk a little bit about the races. Um, and Moto3 is where we'll start, I guess. You know, Izan Guevara gets his very first win due to the red flag that was caused with the incident with Anchu, Alcoba, and Pedro Costa. Uh, but Izan Guevara gets the win. Dennis Faggia finishes second. And John McPhee finishes third. Um, I think John McPhee got a little lucky there. I, I think Izan Guevara got a lucky. He was very unlucky in that the mechanical that he had it. It looked like the entire rear of his bike, uh, the shock mount broke or the shock broke or something broke. I mean, it looked, I mean, I, did, I don't know if you saw him pressing on it, but yes. it has. It was crazy. Yeah, I saw him. I saw him bounce up there. I'm not sure what exactly happened internally on the shock. I think the shock was still there, but there was just no damping. Uh, you know, when he pushed yeah, down, yeah, so maybe like it, it was just yeah, maybe a like seal crazy. blue or um, yeah. But before that, you know, I, I really he felt like he amazing. was. Yeah, he was in control of that race. I felt he was even starting to kind of gap the, the you know second place a little yep. bit. Yeah, he was. Um, so no, this was a great. I think it was a deserved finish for him. Um, you know, given the bad luck, given the fact that he was performing very well in the race, and then, you know, the incident came out and um, yeah. that, that caused the red flag. I think the timing of well, it was just perfect for him to get the race win. But I do think he deserved that race win. 
Uh, he did deserve that race win, but none of the furniture in their pit deserved that. <laughs> You're absolutely um, right. <laughs> I, I was like, uh, tell me you're a baby without telling me you're a baby. I totally get the frustration. I would have been there sitting there steaming in my helmet. I wouldn't even take my helmet off. I would not have laid on the ground and hit the ground and then thrown a chair. and I wouldn't have done that. Well, not, that's, that's because uh, not you're not there. a... You're not a hot-blooded Spanish rider. Oh, well, that's true. I'm not hot-blooded or passionate, that's but I still wouldn't have done it. But, it, you know, <laughs> I these guys are competitive. He knew. I think he knew he had the chance to win that race, and he was just so disappointed. And it was no, something not of his doing. It was out of his control. So, right. you know, I get it. But so, but he wins the race, and I think he's been running well all year. Again, we've said it many times. If not for Pedro, we're really talking about this guy as, you know, looks great. He's going to have a great career in racing, and he yet he may still yet be better than Pedro Acosta as he gets older. We don't know, but, you know, he definitely looks good on the gas gas, and I was happy for him to get the win. Dennis Faggia, again, man, I, Fast Faggia is here to stay. That's what I think. He's right there at the front every race now. Yeah, he definitely turned a corner, you know, mid-season, and he's starting to kind of be way, way, way more consistent than we've ever seen him be before. So this is really good for the Leopard team, really good for Dennis Foggia. Um, and he's yeah. going to be back with that team next year, correct? Oh, um, yeah, so, that's the rule now. Uh, I mean, before he was, and he was yeah. mad about a pass for his dad or something. So maybe I mean, we'll not see to Foggia minimize or, that, but... Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, fighting so. for a championship now. You know, I know Pedro Acosta's got, you know, pretty good, pretty decent lead in the championship, but, you know... Um, you know, this is Fonji's kind of, you know, his dress rehearsal possibly for next year. Yep. And, you know, it really is. And uh, the shot from nowhere, John McPhee, uh, you know, putting it up there on in third. I don't think he would have stayed there, but, you know, that's racing, and he got it done. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the timing was on John McPhee's side here and, and a little bit of luck. Um, but just because, you know, th these these all these riders ebb and flow back and forth through the pa uh, through uh, throughout the grid as the race goes on. Um, you know, the incident timing here was sure. was lucky for McPhee. Um, I was I was hoping to see Darren Bender with a little bit more pace, but uh, uh, it just didn't shake out for those guys this or for at least for Darren Bender. But it did for John McPhee to get a podium, though. Yeah, and, and you know, and it's good to see John there. Honestly, it is. I mean, uh, John, we thought he'd be there all year, right? And right. It, it's no, good absolutely. to see him back there. So that yeah. was great. Um, but after that, you know, Massey looked really strong, and I think Massey was the other podium contender. Really, truly, I did. I I thought Massey would end up on the podium watching him run those first few laps. He looked really strong. Um, but I I really just want to talk about this incident with Dennis Onshu. Right. So this move from Onshu. You know, at first glance to me, I was like, well, how would, you know, he didn't even mean to do it. But looking at it from different angles and the overhead shot, this was really an irresponsible move by Dennis. Um, he would just gotten by Alcoba. Mm -hmm. And I realize you're not looking back, but at the same time, you can't do what he did. Like he gave Alcoba nowhere to go. Um, and... Uh, so he got a two-race suspension because of the – I mean, this thing was scary. Pedro Acosta hit the wall. Like yeah, he did. I, I mean, just to watch those guys catapult off of his bike was 
it was yeah. it was scary. You know, knowing the yeah. fa- knowing the speed that these guys are going, um, you, even if they're Moto Three bikes, I don't care. It, that bike leaves the ground. It's not just motocrossing a bike at, at you know jumping something at twenty to thirty miles an hour. I mean, this is you're talking triple digits. The bike is off the ground, and you know I don't know if you if you slow it down and you watch, you'll actually see just how fast they're going because when Pedro Costa's bike hit. Um, Alcoba's bike, it kind of went up in the air and jumped and turned sideways. But when it turned sideways, the wind caught it again and flipped it almost around in a different direction. So, you know, just to, to see that's how much mass these bikes have and as they're moving air, you know, and they're going to get caught. And they're, that just shows you just how dangerous this is. And that, that's not a smart move by Dennis on Chu. He wants to get back in the slipstream. I completely understand. That's the way he's going to be able to make that speed down the back straight. Not a smart move, though. You didn't give Alcoba anywhere to go. Um, I, I think the race suspension, you know, you, you mentioned Tyson earlier. Tyson sent that article. I read through it. I'm not sure if you glanced at it or not. Um, I did. But, you I know, did. Just all the all the GP riders even say, I think Joanne Mir even came out and said, you know, this is a model of, uh, it's a it's basically a model punishment. You know, I, I think they made an, an example out of Dennis Onchu this weekend. Um but I don't think it was undeserved. I definitely think that there needs no, to be something I, that was done. It yeah, should have been that addressed. That was so dangerous. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And they did address it, but they did. But they, they should have addressed Odendahl, not two races, but they should have addressed it somehow, and rather than just letting it go. And, and this is the this is the I get it that we're in GP versus FI uh, World Superbike, but it's the same governing body, and they need some consistent rules. And, and consistency across the board will save you headaches and make racing safer. Um, and you can complain all you want. And like we complain about that stupid last lap rule, but it's the rule. So they'll follow it and the teams yeah. will do it. So it, it, it just, you know, so I, I think the other thing to talk about here after the race, I, I, I was, that was horrible and we were there and it was horrible. Um, we did. We weren't close to it, but watching it on the big screen was terrible. I don't like watching it. No, luckily, Pay- you know, the outcome wasn't. Uh, you know, wasn't bad. Right. You know, we had Acosta, both both Acosta, Alcoba, and Mino, who I think was also involved with it. They all walked away. Yep. Um, they so did. it could have been a heck of a lot worse than it was. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, Pedro Acosta. He he may have had something for the end of that race, but I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't think so either. I, I think Pedro's struggling right now. I, I think this is a lesson to me. I don't care what this rookie does in the first eight weeks of the season. I'm going to wait to the end of the season before I say anything because right now he's an average Moto3 rider to me. So I think part of that has to do with his size because he seems like he's growing quite a bit, you know, as this year's progressed. And he, he just looks big on the bike to me anymore. Uh, you know, the more that I watch him ride, the more I see him. He, he reminds me a lot of Raul Fernandez on a Moto3 bike and even Jerry Malcoba. And we, we've seen that those guys are having issues partly because of their size because they can't get tucked in behind that bike. That but, might be true. Uh, you know, but also Pedro Acosta might be pushing that front end quite a bit. We've seen just how good he is yeah. all year on it. But also he's got a lot of real big moments on the rear end of the bike when it comes to exiting corners so no i agree with you i think that pedro acosta is trying to find his feet again and i think he's lost a lot of that momentum that he had at the beginning of the season lost some of the feel on the bike and i think he's still struggling to get that back yeah 
Yeah, I, I mean, Fanati really didn't have anything this weekend. Um, you know, a lot of the big names. Now, we know that there were some issues with the track, so maybe that was affecting some more than others. Maybe you're right about Acosta. Maybe he is getting bigger. Maybe something's happening there. But he's got to get it figured out because these guys are coming and they're making up points on him. Well, we know Sergio got hurt in the crash, bruised his kidney, and was fit, declared unfit to race, right. uh, which was unfortunate for Sergio. But Fagia now has taken up the mantle and is really close to Pedro, so he needs to be careful. Yeah, so I, I'm, I, you know, that's where I'm at with Moto Three. You got anything else? No, no, I think we can uh, jump up to Moto Two and, and talk about those. Well, guys. Moto Two is more the same that we always see. Raul Fernandez wins the race. Just a phenomenal race. Uh, second was Fabio DiGenantonio, and third was Marco Bezzecchi. Um, it's worth mentioning that Cameron Bobier did make a pass for the lead at some point in this race. He didn't hold it, but good on you, Cam. We were happy to see it. Um, but if we talk about Raul Fernandez, what else are you going to say? Uh, this guy's going to be a force in MotoGP. That's what I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you you know my thoughts on Raul Fernandez. I shared a couple times um, – you know, during that race weekend, uh, my thoughts, uh, you know, I, I, I dropped the JL name a couple of times that I think that he's, he reminds me a lot of Jorge Lorenzo, um, just his metronomic lap times that he sets and the pace that he goes out and sets, it just goes about his business. Um, I, I think he's going to be a, I think he's going to be a, a force to be reckoned with once he gets a hold of a MotoGP bike and gets, a, gets used to it. I do too. I, I really do. I, I think he did, may not have wanted to go to MotoGP, but he needed to. He's nothing to prove here. Uh, we saw, you know, Gardner make his first mistake of the year, unfortunately. But, you know, man, Raul Fernandez really, as well as Remy has ridden, Raul Fernandez is the class of this Moto2 because this kid, <laughs> this is three race wins in a row. And, uh, he doesn't seem to be worried about it at all. Like he, that hand, I'm glad we didn't mention the hand 12 times. Right, but, right. You know, but you don't need to because it's not affecting him. He is the fastest dude in Moto2 right now up until the next race. For the last three races, it hasn't been closed. Yeah, and like you had said, you know, Remy Gardner, this is the first time all season that we've really seen Remy Gar a chink in, Rem in uh, Remy Gardner's armor. And um, I, But unfortunately, this was a, pretty big time to have it you know it kind of blew that championship wide open um so yep. uh, hopefully Remy Gardner yep. can manage this to the end of the season but like you're saying I mean Raul Fernandez right now is just riding lights out yeah he really is I mean there's, there's look I, I would love to talk about this for 30 minutes but I think we would just be repeating right. everything no, we've been saying yeah, all yeah. year nope, you're I mean he right. he he is phenomenal and and then I think he is dialed in with his team Akiyo is is leading him the right way, and this kid's listening, soaking it up. But he's putting it into practice, and he's fast. No matter where they go, he is fast. Right. And it's just, it's just it's really great to see. Uh, but Fabio DiGino Antonio ran a good race himself. And I'm so happy, you know, Fabio coming back from his injury. Since he's been back, Bo, he's been solid. Super, super solid. This kid has really ridden well. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he's starting to show why he was he's going to be picked up for that Grassini team next year in MotoGP. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, we saw a really, really big glimpse of, of Fabio's potential in the, uh, the podium, and I think he actually got a race win um, earlier in the season, possibly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then it kind of he kind of trickled down, and he, he faded away a little bit. But no, like you're saying, you know, after he's been back, he's doing much, much, much better. And, uh, you know, one thing that I didn't think about and didn't pay attention to until I heard the announcers, I was watching all the races again uh, when they were talking about Cameron Bobier, not to change the subject, but, you know, Raul Fernandez, Fabio, Marco Batsecki, um, and, and I think at that point, uh, Remy Gardner was still in the race, and Cameron Bobier was mixing it up with these guys, and these are all guys that are going to the MotoGP class next year. Uh, yep. You know, so three, uh, you know, the, the top three guys, those are, they're all go- not going to be in this class next year. Augusto Fernandez is going to move over to the the, the Akiyo squad in Moto Two, um, and Bobier is still going to be hopefully in uh, you know the American Racing Team next year. Well, I think he's confirmed uh, next year with STK. Um, so, you know, de- definitely Fabio showed this weekend why he's going to be moving up to MotoGP though. I, I agree. He, I, I think for sure he did. I think he's been since he's come back. He has done that. You know, a lot of people question the move. But I, I think did. he's answered I, those. Admittedly, I did. Well, I did Absolutely. too. Yeah, I did too. I 100% did. So, you know, this is the thing where I feel very strongly that they made the right choice. This is a guy that uh, has kind of shown us that he deserves to be there. And same for Bezeki. I, I Look, I, Bezeki on the podium, that's a great finish for him. Um, I don't... I don't know why this year hasn't gone better. We've said it many times, but Bezeki is a quality, quality rider. Yep. And his hair is luscious. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> um, so I love his hair, and he seems to be a good dude. Our friend Hector got a uh, photograph with uh, Bez at the at his hotel after our after the race on Sunday. Okay. Um, but, you know, good for Bez for finishing in third here. And, you know, he's, he's not had the greatest year, but he's had... He, he has not been bad. He has not been awful. We just expected him to be winning races like Raul Fernandez and Remy Gardner. We expected him to be right there all the time, and he hasn't. But comparing yourself to those two this year would be tough. Not going to be a whole lot of guys looking good comparing themselves to those two this year. So, you know, Bez, Bez did what Bez needed to do. He got his podium, ran a solid race. Um he just doesn't seem to have nearly the pace of the the KTM team week in, week out, or any week, actually, except for the week he won. And, you know, he's just been piling up points and podiums, though. You can't fault him for that. No, it, like you said, I mean, it's it's not been the, the year he may have hoped for, but it's still not been a bad year. Um, and I think, you know, go ahead, come, he's going back, back home, uh, to Mizano the next race. So, you know, he's going to try to do his best there. It's a track that he, you know, he knows he's spent a lot of time there. Uh, hopefully he's, he'll have another good result and then start building momentum towards the end of this championship to then take that into MotoGP testing at the end of the season. Um, but, uh, you know, in fourth place, Augusto Fernandez uh, has looked really strong in recent months. Seems like after the announcement came out that he was going to be moving over to that KTM Akiyo team, um, his results have, have steadily, steadily gotten better and better, and he's moved closer to this front. He came on pretty strong towards the end of this race, I think, and uh, had really good late race pace. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he really uh, – you know, Augusto Fernandez – he should be here all the time. We've said it before. Mm-hmm. 
And with KTM, he might be. I'd rather talk about Cameron because he's an American and I think Augusto did well. But I, my, the interesting part of me, the race for me, was that Cam showed when he knows where in the world he's going, <laughs> he's got some speed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, so, and and I, I was just happy that Cam got up there and mixed it up and brought it home, didn't throw it away. I, I, I think thinking Cam might win this race might have been a little bit pie in the sky and optimistic, especially when Raul Fernandez is on the form that Raul Fernandez is in. So I was still hoping. I mean, I was. But what I saw from Cam was his best finish of the year. I think his previous best was sixth. Am I right? I think so. I think so, so. Yeah. yeah. So I was his best finish of the year, and it gives me hope that next year, like I said, when he doesn't have to use Google Maps to find his way around a track, that he he's going to be a lot more competitive. And we got SDK coming over there, and I'm hoping the same thing for SDK. Learn the tracks like Cam. Cam will be able to help him, but it won't. You can tell people all day, but they got to ride it. You can tell people what it's like to go over that little hill in Mugello at the end of the straight until you do it at speed. You don't know. Right. Right? Like, you don't know. You don't know what that feels like. So you got to figure that out. But Cam had a great weekend, and I was just, I was stoked. And, I, and I, I'm happy with where he ended up, you know, and I think it was a solid, solid finish in front of American fans. And I hope we can build on this going into the next rounds and next year. I can't say anything more, honestly. You said exactly what I wanted to say as far as, you know, with SD. It's because I'm smart. In. Well, you know, but, all right. Well, <laughs> you you got to ruin it, man. You just have to ruin I feel, it. I feel, like, I feel like I know exactly where your mute button is all the time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I know exactly what to say. And that's, that's why we're good partners on this podcast, Bo. Yep. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Continue about Cambobia, no, sir. No, I apologize. I, uh, no, honestly, I mean, I was going to say exactly that about SDK coming into this team next year. You know, Cambobia is going to have good data for him. They can, uh, he's going to be able to jump right in. Um, I think SDK is a, a smart rider. I think he's a very, obviously he's a very talented rider. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had that seat that he's going to be getting next year. Um, and I think that he's going to be able to sponge so much off of Cameron Bobier. And like you had said, he's he's got to pick these tracks up quick though, because we see just how competitive that this this class really is you know the top how many times that are that are you know within a second of one another so um you know it's going to be competitive it's going to be a, a steep learning curve for sdk but i think he's going to be able to navigate it with cambobier yeah um, leading him through it yeah absolutely i think so too so you know we'll see um i've got high hopes for next year for the american racing team i yeah, I'm yeah. super excited. I'm super excited, and, and I'm I'm excited for Cam. He got some confidence here. Maybe he maybe he'll show out a little bit in the next two rounds. Maybe he'll do a little better. We'll see. Uh, but there again, there are tracks that he doesn't know. So there you go. You're welcome. Um, but uh, for Moto Two, that's about all I've got. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's about all I've got as well. Um, and we can slide on over to Moto GP if you want to. Yep, we sure can. And in Moto GP. We saw the left-handed turn master Marquez win his seventh, win the seventh race in the in the old United States. He loves Coda. Um, he wins. Fabio finishes second, and Francesco Bagnaia finishes third. Uh, you know, 
I set it again on the anti-clockwise, as the Europeans would call it, or the counterclockwise, if you're an American, tracks. Marquez is still Marquez. He, when he doesn't have to turn right a lot, he is blazing fast. Um, we saw Bagnaya stand up to him in Aragon, but Bagnaya had nowhere near the pace of Marquez on Sunday. It was not close. Marquez got right to the front and just took off. And uh, you can't can't fault the man for that. Yeah, I I, I don't disagree. Um, you know, I think that Benyaya also had. You know, this was a really tough weekend. One thing we didn't really talk about is it was a Friday and Saturday. The weather wasn't uh, wasn't fantastic. Saturday ended up being a lot prettier than Friday was, but there was a lot of rain on Friday that they were trying to sort through. Yeah, um, they were trying to figure the so track set up, out. I think setups were behind for sure. Not is, enough dry track time. And I want to ask: Is this the first time? That Bagnaya has been here on a GP bike. Bagnaya rode last year. He was the Moto Two World Champion in 2019, right? Right, and they didn't come to Coda last year. He was nope. with Premac so, yes. last year, so this is the first yep. time he's been yep. here on a. You know, I want to say Fabio. I think has been here though as well on a on a GP bike. No, with a with the. Um, uh, no, Fabio's first year on a GP bike was last year as well, wasn't it? Okay. No, is that wrong? No, yeah, Fabio's first year last year on, a, yeah. So neither one of them had been here, so they they were both seeing a track on a GP bike for the first time. Yes, and, and you know, so it, possibly that could have a little bit to do with that. You know, sorting through the weather as well. We know that Fabio's not a great wet, wet weather rider on the Yamaha. They haven't really figured that out no. too much because it's hard to use the corner speed of a bike when you can't lean it over, right? Um, so that's where the, the Yamaha kind of falters, I think, in the rain. But, you know, Fabio, this was a championship ride for Fabio. Um, he, he went out and he got the points. He finished in front of his closest championship rival, and that's what he needed to do to, to, to continue to march towards securing a, his first MotoGP championship. Um, yep. You know, and Benyaya, unfortunately, you know, like you said, he just didn't have the pace. Um, no, no, he didn't. I was surprised a little bit because he qualified so well, but I, at the same time, I, I know that, uh, you know, Marquez is the master of Coda, and if you let that guy get out front, he's not gonna, he's gonna leave you, um, and he did, and, and it's okay. I mean, I think. To your point, them being there the first year on a GP bike is a GP bike is different. Um, I, I think it was both good to see the old Marquez a little bit uh, for us, but for me, the favorite thing that Marquez did was fly the Nikki flag after he won. Um, you know, I've I've seen Marquez win every race that he's won at this circuit. I saw him in his rookie year win that. So. I've been at every single one of those wins, it, you know, and when he crashed in 19, uh, that was the first time someone else had won besides Marquez since we'd been going to Coda. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was a little bit ho-hum for me. It wasn't an exciting race because the gap was so big. But if you're a Marquez fan, you loved it, right? Like, that's yeah. just, that's a bit, um, you but, know, but I, I can't, you, like, again, we don't fault people for being great. You don't do that. And and he did it, and he took it to that field, and they had no answer. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned the uh, Nikki flag because I, I'm not sure if I can remember a time or another race 
um, at least not in recent future or recent history, that a rider has won a race and flown another rider's flag. But but even beyond that, <clears throat> you know, the Nikki Hayden flag, it it was it, it was overlaid in the back with the you know the American flag. You know, so the Spanish rider grabbed that Nikki Hayden flag. Uh, you know with the stars and uh, stars and stripes on it and and ran it around the track and he even stopped at the side of the track and two uh, you know where I'm not sure if it was at the Marquez fan section but uh, you know two of his friends came out and one of them had a Marquez flag and and it looked as if she tried to hand that flag to him to get him to to trade out and it, it was like he wasn't having it he kept the hold of that Nikki Hayden flag and brought it all the way back around and to me that that to me was really cool um, on Marquez's part, um, you know, to, to fly the Nikki Hayden flag because he knows how much Nikki Hayden meant to America um, and how much Nikki Hayden meant to MotoGP. You know, he was just that, that lovable character. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. It, you know, that, so to me that, that gained a lot of, a lot of style points from Marquez. I, I, I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed seeing that as well. I must admit, I, I, uh, Marquez is making it really hard for me to keep not liking him. Um, Nikki is, for all of us real, like, diehard race fans of MotoGP and World Superbike, uh, Nikki, Nikki's a, he's just a soft spot, right? Like, we, if you support Nikki, then we kind of like you. And yeah, that's, yeah. you know, it just is, uh, you know, Nikki meant so much to the community of motorcycle racers here. Um, and I think I've said this before, when you, when you, when no one in the professional motorcycle racing paddocks, be it World Superbike or MotoGP, has ever had a bad thing to say about you, that's impressive. That is so impressive. Um, just... Because it, it's as competitive as it is, it is hard to be likable all the time in that kind of environment. And that guy had it figured out. And, uh, I, you know, thanks to Marquez for recognizing one of our American heroes, you know. Um, and thank you to Jean Mir for writing the number in the script like Kevin Schwantz on the Suzuki. I noticed the number immediately, but it didn't dawn on me till about the second practice. Those look like Kevin Schwantz's numbers. Yeah. Um, and then I saw like on social media that he had done that. And then Mir and Renz having special yeah. special helmets. Renz wore the 69 on the back of his helmet. Yeah. I, I, I tell you what, man. Honestly... You know these I don't know, Can are, I talk bad about Renz ever again now? Right, like, yeah, I don't know yeah. if I can. Like, and, and I'm glad we're getting into this because it's a, it kind of segues into something I wanted to talk about too. Um, you know, we're kind of sidebarring a little bit, but it's okay because it's our show. Um, you know, this race, the riders complain a lot about this track. You know, the the. Well, I'd like bumpy, to apologize to no one. We don't. Yeah. Well, well, you know, it's bumpy. It's dangerous. Yada yada. This all. But this is obviously a special race. You know, Ren, both Renz and Mir had had special helmets. Like you said, Mir had the 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 Kevin Schwantz script on it. You know, the the font on his number plate. Marquez flew the the uh, the Nikki Hayden flag. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Are you what, okay? What else was, yeah. You what got else? COVID? Yeah. I'm starting to get choked up. I just. Uh, 
Yeah. But okay. you know, I, no no other race that I can think of off the top of my head do we have Michelin different Michelin hats for whenever they ride. You know, the Michelin Stetson is what they they're wearing <laughs> in the in Park Ferme. Those are the those <laughs> are the craziest hats. They're so big on those little riders. I swear they're huge. But you're right. There's no other place. So it's, uh, it's this Texas. is just a special race, I think. And 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 as much as the riders want to complain about this track, it's just. It's just a very just just a special track to come to, and, and I'm I'm so thankful that they're still bringing them here. Um, but yeah, I, and 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 I hope that that Coda gets the track figured out and you know repaired and resurfaced well, the way that it should be done. Um, I but, can get it done. Call me. <laughs> exactly, but uh, you know th- this this was just a really a really fun weekend to to really see all that in person. Yeah, I I, I I'm. I'm with you. So it is, as an American, on the race on American soil is a special weekend, right? It's a special thing for us. Not just because of the RBVs, but because of the, <laughs> yeah, and but because of what it means to me as a fan of MotoGP to see them at my track in my country and embracing the culture and embracing the former riders and the heroes of American motorcycling ra- motorcycle racing or motorsport. Um, they do that every year and it means a lot to me. It does. It meant a lot to me to see special helmets from Mir and, and Renz with the number on the back of Renz. It meant a lot to me that, you know, Mir thought enough of Kevin Schwantz to put the number. It meant a lot to me yep. that Marquez carried an American racers with an American flag, you know, American racers number on an American flag around the track and turned down his own Spanish or more his own flag. He flew that flag and, that makes me think maybe Marquez is not so bad, number one. But it also makes me happy that they think enough of this country, this track, the facility to do something special. Right. It does. Yep. It makes it makes me feel good as an American. So thank you to Joan Mir. Alex Rands and Alex and and Mark Marquez for doing those things. Thank you because you know that that will endear you to American fans. Um, now all of you just go ahead and let Rossi win his last race and it will be fine. <laughs> but I think you know I I, I just I just a, a lot of that stuff wasn't lost on me and I and I think from for those of us that are true fans that meant a lot to a lot of us. Um, the, the racing aside, you know, the track situation, the soil content is the problem. So they built this beautiful facility in a place, the soil at, that can't handle it. And so they have to, they're going to have to either invent a new system and it will be very expensive or they're going to have to repave it every couple of years. My fear is that they won't. Right. And, then this beautiful facility will be there for track days and for uh, Moto America. Maybe World Superbike comes over, but I doubt it. And F1 stops coming. F1's, F1 cannot stop coming. You can't not have F1 at that track. So they got to get the track figured out because right. if F1 doesn't want it and they're like, look, you don't fix this, not going to happen. The track's going to rot. The, the track will rot. 
the track will rot and sit down, so they have to fix it. This facility can't survive without F1. It can't, period. No, I completely and, agree. Yeah. And, and so we have to do something. And I have lots of ideas that I thought of on the airplane. And if anybody wants to get into it with me, we can do it. I need, I need my best engineers out there because I want it smooth like that new pavement at Mizano. But also, I need it to be able to stand up to more than two years of abuse before we got to repave it. Repaving is part of the life of a track, but it can't not last. I mean, if you look at Aragon, Aragon's lasted for 12 years, and it's not bumpy. It's still not bumpy. It's just it's starting to lose grip. Well, and we certainly don't want this to become Bruno. I think Bruno, they could not host a GP uh, at this point uh, they they didn't have the money I don't think to host it this year um, uh, you know COVID issues aside and uh, and I'm, I'm worried about that track as well about losing that track it's it's not the yeah. biggest track as far as you know number of turns um, but it is a, a fairly iconic uh, GP track oh I agree with you it is an iconic track and but no it's just you know, so uh, unfortunate man it's just yeah. so unfortunate that we that, that this happened, and I don't think anybody foresaw or could for have foreseen maybe now that you've got that lesson, but that's just never happened anywhere before. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just the soil in Texas that's doing it. So we'll figure out an answer. Technology will come around and let us figure it out. But the, the side that kills me is that the, the chance of losing – this event such a world-class facility too uh, it's, the facility itself i mean you got to experience the best of that facility and i have experienced it and i have also experienced uh, laguna seca and i love laguna seca it is such a history-laden track and it's in a beautiful setting and it's it's great but the facility is not close it's not it it i would i would say laguna seca is quaint I would say Coda is world class. And that's just the way I think about it. But I, you know, until I get to see some of these other tracks, I don't really know how it compares. But no one's complaining about the pits or the facility. They're complaining about the surface. Right. right. So so let's get that handled, right? Let's let's do it. Where do we need to start? A GoFundMe? Let's do we'll it. Do Let's it. start a GoFundMe. Well, we need to start a GoFundMe for the repaving of Coda. And I would, listen, I would, I would lead that charge because this, this track is, has been in financial peril since it got built because American motorsport is not the same as yeah. European motorsport. Absolutely. So if they, what do we need to raise? What do they need? What do you think that track would cost to repave completely? $10 million? Oh, it's at least that. I it's mean, got to be more. It, it, I would imagine it's got to be more than that. I mean, to well, you know, to, it was to repay three million to repay C and P. So, oh goodness. Well, I mean, so you have to consider also the you know the the aggregate that's put down into the uh, into the curbing as well into the paint and you know the look at it full you know full circle. What would it take to to uh, you know turn key? to make that track good again, you know? And then if the soil is the issue, you know, do you want to repave it A lot of people now? have turned down, yeah. A lot yeah. of people turned down the opportunity to repave it because they said it won't last. And that's the thing, you know, do you want to repave it and then turn around and have someone else come in and repave it again two years later? Or do you want to actually pull the track up, try to get something underneath, you know, and, and 
see if there's something that can be laid underneath of it that can you know improve the base that the pavement's laying on you know and then do it and then you're talking about another exponential cost on top of that to to continue well to then that's it, you know, that's 50 million to be right like done, we, right yeah. you know so i mean it's 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 tough and but like you're saying i mean it would be it would be amazing if there could be some sort of a uh, a fond or something put together that that would help coda out as a track simply because we love you know, you know the those of us that talk about it and watch it and we're there this weekend uh, we don't want to see that track rot that that track is too nice the facilities are too nice that the the event that happened this weekend is just too nice to lose um yeah. you know we talked about the what we just now went over it you know the nikki hayden flags the the tributes to american icons you know right. and, and it's just a it's something that we cannot lose here in america we need to value nope. our motorsport much more we we really do and i and i agree with you i i uh i i'm truly am happy that you and angie and our other friend nick got to attend their first gp race it was so much fun for me to see a lot of that stuff that i had seen so many times and just kind of don't remember right like i know i love it but i the first like i said the first time you hear those bikes and mm -hmm. and seeing nick literally jumping up and down while the ra racers were going by <laughs> like what are you doing and and talking to the ghosts of coda like who was yeah. he talking to like <laughs> no clue you know, this like, guy he was talking but to he was him. just so excited he was like, talking to himself like pointing at each one like oh oh there's there's Ron. oh there's there's dovey oh, oh 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 there's there's bagnaya you know like he was just doing that constantly and that was a great thrill for me. That was, to me, as much fun as seeing the race in person. That just made it better for me to get to see all of you guys see it. Um, and now I think it's probably apparent to you why I never, I don't miss it. Like, I go every year. It's just that important to me. I um, I obviously, a, I honestly hope that I don't miss another one, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I mean, we've, yep. what we talked today, you know, we've already booked the uh, hotel for <laughs> for April. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and we we both have, and, and and so, all kidding aside, man, it was great to be there with you and your wife, and um, you know, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I'm glad it was not a disappointment. I I think we we had some issues though, right? We had a new management company up there; they were doing things differently than had been done before, and but you know, Tyson and I knew the facility well enough. We worked it out, and. <laughs> right. uh, yep. We got up there, you know, and they, they tried to figure out how we were doing what we were doing. But I just think that speaks to the fact they don't know the facility as well as we do because it was the first time they had been there. And um, the thing I'll say about that, if anybody from that company is listening, when we show up on Friday, you can't act like you're surprised there's a race going on that weekend. You know, like when you open the gates, you need to be ready. Lesson learned for them, hopefully, because I dare them to do that for F1. Yeah, I dare will, them. It will not happen. I, I mean, if they think that, uh, if they think that we were bad um, when it comes to being, you know, being upset to not be able to get in to watch free practice, um, they have no idea what's coming to them. Yeah, no, they don't. They don't. So, you know, but and I actually, you, uh, I don't know if you saw me, but I was actually talking to the CEO of Coda because he came by. His suite was right next to ours. He came by to check in. He asked. He made the mistake and asked me how it was going. And no, I, had, I didn't. Uh, I didn't realize that you actually got to speak directly yeah. with him. Oh, I sat him down and we had a talk, and I explained my position. And I and he and he had no idea any of that was going on either. So it's miscommunication, and hopefully they get it figured out. Well, maybe he did know and he was just playing dumb. But 
um, it felt like he didn't understand. Like he didn't understand that we couldn't get in when the gates opened. And he said, why wouldn't you be able to get in? I was like, ask people running the suites. And he's like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I was like, thank you. I agree. So that I said that if I have a problem, that's it. The rest of this is beautiful. Your facility is beautiful. Your bartender here has been amazing. Uh, all your service staff has smiled and been friendly, and the food has been good. But we we need to fix that issue. Yeah, there are there. You know, it, it almost it's sometimes that you know the management company that was dealing with that. It it surprises me that they don't understand that. You know, if they don't they don't understand what's going on that weekend. You know, I think there should be some sort of an education. They think that they're just coming in, and then what they are, they're just coming in to run an event. You know, they're there to they're open working, doors. Yeah. They're there to work. You know, but there needs to be some sort of a background and expectation set. You know, with those companies that said, okay, listen. They're going to be so. They're going to be all different types of fans that are going to be at this event. There are going to be some people that may just show up on Sunday, and then there are going to be those people that were going to show up bright and early Friday morning at nine a.m. every and, day. And when those bikes fire up, they want to be in their seat watching that free practice all day long and and taking notes. You know, because you know there are folks like you and I that are that have this podcast that, that talk about it that that take it more seriously. You know, because we love it that much. You know. And it's part of that yep. pat that that drive that we have to to see it in person to and we immerse ourselves in it as much as we possibly can, um, and being able to have that uh, that access into where we would where we should be where we want to be uh, in a timely manner is very important. Yeah, I agree. Well, with that, I think we're running short on time, but um, buddy, it was a good time talking about. And it was really cool to talk about a race that we were actually attending. We were there in person, hearing the bikes, smelling the race fuel, feeling the heat, seeing the rain, all that stuff. We did it all. And I, I, I couldn't have had a better group of people to do it with, you know, you and your wife included, obviously. And I enjoyed it so much. So, you know, out there in podcast land, we want you to keep that shiny side up, that rubber side down and be safe driving to the track this weekend. And, uh, I, you know, I've had a great time and I'm Jason, AKA Captain Novice saying good night and Godspeed. And with my man, Bo, as always, you guys have a good one. Thank you.